we are in the rise of the sacred feminine. And as part of that rise is a return of indigenous perspective and the medicine wheel and all the perspectives and all the voices that have been silenced. And so it might feel a little chaotic and challenging at this time. We will be hearing from Andrea Menard, who is Métis from Canada and also the founder of the Sacred Feminine Learning Lodge. I'm really excited for you to hear all the wisdom she has to share with us. Join us to find out more. Hello and welcome to another episode of Soul Nectar Show, that show where we talk about all things essence, where we gather around the fire and we share our stories of connection with that which is greater than us, the big mystery beyond the veil, to those synchronistic moments that lead us inexorably towards a deeper understanding of ourselves and why it is that we are here on earth at this time. I'm your host, Carrie Hummingbird, and I love having these conversations week after week with beautiful, amazing guests who have survived incredible challenges and who have really great wisdom to bring to us at this time on the planet. And today's conversation is going to be near and dear to my heart because we will be talking about indigenous wisdom, the medicine wheel, the return to the divine feminine, the return to mother earth, and what all of this means for us at this time on the planet. This is so important to me. As you guys know, you know, I published my first medicine wheel book with the inner medicine and it was a really big deal to me because when I feel that it's a very large task to bring sacred wisdom into the collective and to really hold it from my heart. And I take it very, very seriously, you know, and it's, it means a lot to me. And so I love this conversation. And what I love even so much about this particular conversation is that we have a beautiful woman here today who is Métis, uh, Indigenous from Canada. And so we're going to hear from Andrea Menard. Andrea, welcome. Danchi Kiawao. Hello, everyone. Thank you for that lovely introduction. And yeah, so I, if you don't mind, I'll introduce myself the way I introduce myself. Yes, please. Uh, I've been taught. So Tanchi Kiawao. Hello, everyone. Andrea Menard, Dishnika Shon. My name is Andrea Menard. I am a Métis woman from Treaty 1 territory in the homeland of the Métis, who's currently living in the unceded traditional territory of the Squamish, the Tsleil-Waututh, and the Musqueam people, currently known as Vancouver. I was given two, I carry two traditional names, one Nehiao name, Notagoyutin, and a Nishnabemoan name, Shkotekwe. So I carry medicines with me and I'm honored to be here as your guest. Thanks, Carrie. Oh, I'm grateful that you're here. And what you don't not yet know about Andrew, but we're going to find out, is that she is the founder of Sacred Feminine Learning Lodge. And she's an influencer in feminine leadership and was named one of Canada's most powerful women, top 100 award winner of 2020. That's amazing. And she's an advocate for rematriation and reconciliation, helping all gendered people to reclaim and embody the qualities 
of Sacred Feminine, also the author of the Seeds from the Sacred Feminine Wisdom Cards, which are going to contain, they are in the process and being developed and coming out into the public really, really, really soon, Um, probably around the time this is being broadcast. So by the time you guys hear this, it's already out there. 52 Gentle Land-Based Teachings and Beautiful Paintings by Métis painter Leah Dorian. And so this is, I'm just so grateful for your story. And I really feel from the heart the importance of this rematriation and reconciliation. Tell us about your, you know, your perspective as Métis coming into the conversation to support Western people in getting familiar with Mother Earth and putting their bare feet on Mother Earth and listening to Mother Earth and getting out of the, you know, because we have these t-shirts that say indoors people. And we have a lot of people with that kind of mantra, like I'm an indoor person and I live in my mind and I live in my house and I don't really venture anywhere outside in nature. (laughs) (laughs) And I have this different understanding of myself. And so how do you support people in remembering like who they really are? Well, great question. I would say that according to my elders and, and the ones who taught me, we are, and there's many different ways of saying this from many different faiths and understandings, but for how I was taught that we are in the time of the rise of the sacred feminine, which means it's a return to the circle. It's a return to the earth. It's a time that women will be leading and the feminine natured beings will will be leading. So that can be any gender. So there's a real rise of things. I mean, there's change happening all around us, and we're all aware of that, whether it's affecting us in a good or bad way. But the change is good. Because we're at the beginning of the rise of the sacred feminine, according to my elders. We're just at the beginning. And in our, in this, as you said, this Western world, this world is created from a patriarchal structure. And really, all the systems in place that we live in are all masculine in nature. And they were created very specifically for white men to survive or to, sorry, to thrive in this, these systems. So they weren't really created for the rest of us. (laughs) And so, but many of us are trying to fit in this system and have been for many, 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 many years now. So the return of the, of the, the rise of the sacred feminine is about balancing because we're all in these systems. The systems are in the process of either crumbling or regenerating. And of course, because those systems were also, as you said, all in the inner, you know, inside homes and boxes inside of these little, <laughs> as well as inside the mind. And so anything that was feminine based, like stillness instead of action, action, doing, 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 anything that wasn't superior to Mother Earth, where we exploited Mother Earth, was outside of this understanding. So emotional expression, nurturing, stillness, land-based practices, land-based cultures, feminine ways of expression have all been considered less than, weaker, weaker than. It was certainly not valued as much as the masculine properties of, the, of life. Now, every human being has both, right? Um, all life has both. It's just we have decided somewhere in these systems that the masculine is superior. So, with your question, so all that little backstory, 
of where I look at it is that we are unraveling those beliefs. And in this time where it's the return to the circle, all of those beings that have been left out of the systems are coming home to the circle. So you will see a rise in the voices of women, a rise in the voices of Indigenous people, of Black people, of people of color, people nurturing men. You'll see a rise of nurturing men. You'll see a voice of the animals, voices for the earth, voices of healthy emotional expression, people with disabilities or extra abilities. You're going to hear all these voices, two-spirited, transgender, non-binary, all those voices are coming home to the circle because they've been left out. So to the world, it seems like chaos and ah, oh my goodness, but it's really just a rebalancing act. So what I am in the process of doing to help this time is to be a facilitator of this rise of the sacred feminine, is to help people know that the changes are all good, that the changes to learn how to walk gently on the planet, we have to learn how to walk gently with ourselves first. So to answer all that question you asked, (laughs) that juicy question, that's sort of where I sit, is that when we walk gently with ourselves and learn how to be compassionate, nurturing to the experiences going on within, then only then can we have compassion for others and to be of service to the planet. And I love that answer and it and it definitely speaks to me. I don't know what it's like to be living in an indigenous tradition in this lifetime. Let's just say that. Hmm. I remember my life as Cherokee on the Trail of Tears. I remember this life and I feel it in my bones. I've felt that tragedy. And part of my work over the last 10 years has been healing that, right? Like healing within myself, the reconciliation of my judgments about what was done and how it was done. And it was, you know, and then coming to healing myself. And what I don't understand though, what I, what I feel is that there's a lot of people who really don't understand the impact of Western ideology and patriarchal behaviors on peoples across the world. I don't think they really understand that. And unless you've had sort of like some little hint of it, like I just had a hint, right? I just had like a past life memory. That's not a this life memory. That's a past life. So I don't really have a a way to understand what that feels like. And at this time, I'm also aware that from my messages from the ancestors that talked to me is that no, it's important for all people who are people of earth, who are who never lost their connection with mother earth to share these wisdoms and these teachings with people who are waking up to this now out of that delusion of the matrix of the patriarchy. That is such a big ask, you know, that is such a huge ask of Native American people, especially given everything that's being revealed about the mass graves and of the, of the Native peoples and their children and so where do you stand on that? Like, what is your perspective on how, how does this end up working? How does this end up where we come back together again? Well, great question. And, it, and, and in many ways, it can be a risky question because, you know, in this life, you have white privilege, right? And I have more white privilege than my browner brothers and sisters and cousins. So that in itself is a trigger word for many people, like, what? I'm not privileged, right? As though whiteness has this foreignness to people who are of light skin, white skin. And it is the question to ask is, do I have white privilege? What does that mean? What does it mean? 
in contributing to the patriarchy, in contributing to the injustice and the inequality of people of color in the world. And it is a really big, it is the question to ask these at, during these times, because it is the one thing that has been so prevalent, this white supremacy, because all the systems are created with that mindset that everything is below the white male at the top of this hierarchy. Now, that's not the truth. That is not, the truth is we are circular in nature, which means every single one of us are beside each other. We have my, you know, the white male beside me, and we have the mountain beside me, and we have the giraffe and the people and my enemy and little COVID virus. We're all equal on this, in this wheel of life. But because the systems are hierarchical in nature and false in nature, they seem very, very, very true, but that's not the, the natural law of life. So in order for us to find, because these systems are very sophisticated, they're not going to dismantle themselves. <laughs> they're sophisticated and self-perpetuating. So we have been born into this these systems and never had to question it, and especially people who are, have been privileged by the system. They'd never have to question because it just works. Why don't you just act like me? And then you'll be more, it'll work for you too. And so we've all been trying to act like that white male at the top, you know, and it has worked for some, but ultimately it doesn't work for anyone because it's exploitive of people, nations, and the earth itself, which cannot sustain us. So the question to ask is, how has these systems been serving me? And how has it given my privilege been perpetuating this system that is trying to unravel, that is trying to bring balance? And by asking those questions, you know, we need to be willing to look at our own behavior, our own belief systems, our own biases. And it's not an easy job. It's, it was very painful to unravel those things. But we must look at them because you may not be a racist, but you live within a racist system that does all the damage for you by you just participating in it and never questioning and just going along and, and adopting those uh, hidden beliefs that say, I'm superior. So asking those questions and, and unraveling that through your ancestral, your own ancestral lineage is powerful work, painful, scary work lots of shame, lots of guilt, lots of rage, but really powerful work. And if we're really on this path, because emotional expression is part of this rise of the sacred feminine, the rage and the shame and the guilt that a lot of white settlers have, in our, and including me, I've got white settler ancestry too. When we look at that part and heal the lineages forward and backward, boy, we do some good work. We do some good work to unravel the whole. We become not we don't participate in the system with blindness anymore. We hold our ground and we start recognizing what needs our focus instead. And it's it's good work. Yeah, it's really powerful. And when I realized that part of my ancestors were Cherokee and the other part were Celtic, and I realized that in, in a lot of these medicine journeys, the information I get from the ancestors is that, well, we believe in making your enemy your family, you know, and so we believe in entwining these lines together so that we heal because 
when it's your family, you're less likely to, you know, cast it aside. It's like your family. But what's so interesting is in Western civilization, you see this splintering of even the family system. Like people are like, I can't talk to my parents. I can't talk to my, this person and this person's toxic and this person triggers me and this. And I, I see it. I see it as like this grand effort to avoid the truth, which is emerging through the divine feminine, which is that part of our ancestral lines took actions that were really not in anyone's best interest. And we have been complicit in it, as you said, when we're not waking up to it. I always get uncomfortable when I'm about to have this conversation because I'm like, oh, okay, you know, please don't leave the conversation, guys. I know that this conversation is not easy, but I always encourage people to stay because we are each a part of the whole. We are each here to dismantle this framework piece by piece together to open up to the truth. And all of us can stay in the conversation. And that conversation includes people being really upset at white people. That That's included. That has to be done. That has to be voiced. It has to be expressed. And, and so I just try not to take it personally. So that's where the four agreements are very handy, everybody. Don't take anything personally. You know, be impeccable with your word. Don't make assumptions. Do your best. And follow your heart. So what would you say for somebody who's like white presenting, who really feels called to practice indigenous wisdom, to practice earth connection, but has lost that tie because of all of this religious indoctrination and dogma that led to the religious colonization and, you know, the, the, the witch burning and, and the mm-hmm. severing of that maternal tie, that connection to mother earth for, through the Celtic ancestry, you know, people have been punished for connecting with earth. What would you say for those people who are waking up saying, I want to, I want to reconnect that in my own ancestry? I would say that, first of all, to recognize that colonization has affected every single land and every single people on this planet. Nobody has gone unscathed, which means somewhere along the line, your lineage, your land-based people, wherever you are from, were colonized, were were usurped, those teachings were usurped and and made to believe the dominant culture. And so it's in everyone's lineage. And the pain of that is extraordinary. The difference is, is that that unhealed pain that is sits in our lineages somewhere along the line, we have to say, it stops with me. And so the first thing I would say is start opening up the channel to your ancestors. Start recognizing where your first land-based people, you know, relatives came from. And recognize that indigenous wisdom from this land isn't necessarily yours. And it may not be behoove you to actually adopt these traditions. In fact, it can get a little tricky, you know, unless you've been trained by the wisdom keepers from this land. So if you have... If you have you have land based, you are a child of Earth. Period. You belong to this to the Earth. You belong here. First of all, to know you are your mother loves you and you are part of the wheel of life, and you have ancestors somewhere in the ground that carry the wisdom that you hold in your lineage. You have land based wisdom from some land, and your ancestors knew that place because a lot of wisdom comes from place. It's place based. And so you may have been here several generations, you know, wherever you're living, you may have been in in a specific place, but I can guarantee you that on this continent, the ancestors from the indigenous people are 15,000 years older than your ancestors. They have, it's their wisdom that in many ways uh, we must honor on this place because they hold a lot of how to take care of this, these lands. 
but the people of, of other lands, your ancestors have this knowledge. And to open up those wisdom, you know, to open them up, to start asking for the help so that you learn that wisdom from that land base that you can maybe carry to these places where you are now. It's an honoring of recognition of, of that you are, you are children of earth, that you are welcome to remember who you are and how you belong to these lands. But there's wisdom ones, there's wisdom keepers that know more than you. You know, your ancestors from your land know these things. And to go ask them, they'll, they'll reveal them to you. So what's really interesting for me is that as I started waking up, I started waking up with teachings from the Toltec and Don Miguel Ruiz, and he's done a lot of training with people around the world. And one of his men, his protégés is somebody I studied with. So, so I started waking up through her and going, oh, wow. Okay. I don't know anything about spirituality. I don't know anything about the land. I don't know how to talk to my ancestors. I don't know how to do any of that. I'm just, you know, that's where a lot of people are who are in Western culture. Like we haven't been raised with the knowing of how to have an altar and, and honor your ancestors with that. We, we haven't been taught that. And, and my early, one of my first uh, lineages that I was brought into that my, I felt my ancestors guiding me saying, you're a fire people. We're bringing you to the Andes because they're fire people there and they want to teach people and they're welcoming you with open arms. And so I went and I studied with them and that's what I experienced. And so what I experienced was two different things. It was really interesting. And I wanted to, to share it with you. One thing I experienced was that locally here where I live in Texas, there was a person who felt inspired to connect with earth on his own, just as his own person without lineage support and just connect with earth and formed a shamanic drum circle. And, and a lot of people engaged there. And, they, and I was there too at first. And I got a lot of value from that. But then when I went to go study with the Caro in the Andes, there was a whole different thing going on there. Like, that is not even the same thing. <laughs> and I was like, will you adopt this redheaded stepchild? Because I need a home and my home is gone. I, you know, I don't have connection to that. Will you help me? They were willing to serve. They were willing to help in that way. And they continue to keep their arms open to people that I bring in, you know, from the Western world. And of course, I'm the one that that like serves as the mentor because I can speak their language and I understand their, you know, but but behind me is the lineage, you know, like I'm not doing all that miracle stuff. I am just simply the the conduit, the hollow bone through which all of this information comes through. It comes from the lineage, mm -hmm. even when I'm speaking here or anywhere else or in my books or on the healings, I'm opening to the lineage. The lineage is coming through me. <laughs> it's not Carrie mm -hmm. necessarily, right? Like I know some stuff. I've had some life experience, but not like that, you know? So there's a really big difference I found between a lineage still on the same land as their ancestors maintaining the traditions through the colonization period unbroken mm -hmm. and, you know, let's just say white people having a drum and trying to connect with mother earth on their own. There's like a very different thing going on. What do you say about that? Well, thank you for recognizing the difference, right? <laughs> and there is nothing wrong with that awakening spirit that needs to needs earth-based practice, you know, and, and, find it you know there are people within my communities that are offended if it's exploited if it's you know you're making money off of indigenous teachings and leaving the teachings and the people behind but if you are 
doing it for your own sake of awakening and helping others awaken to wisdom, then that's a good, it's always a good thing to awaken to your inner spirit and to awaken to the relationship with the land. That is always good because we need to create relationship with Mother Earth. It is necessary in order for us to move forward. Uh, but like I said, to know the difference though, that when you connect in with real unbroken training, teaching, groundedness, um, it's a different thing altogether. And that one is a is a invited privileged place to be, you know, with respect, because there are many people that come home and take those teachings and make tons of money off of it and never acknowledge where those teachings came from or shared that abundance with the people that taught them. Because within Indigenous, that's a big no-no. In communities, that's a big no-no. You come in and take, that is, again, that colonization mind that everything is mine to exploit. That is definitely the patriarchal mindset that is needing to unravel. That is not Indigenous teachings at all. So if you're teaching Indigenous wisdom, then <laughs> you you better adopt the understanding that, you know, prof there's nothing wrong with making a profit, but don't do it on the backs, off the backs of people who are not benefiting from your taking of the knowledge. Yeah, the way that it was explained to me was that it's like the, and the Andes, it's I need. So it's you today, me tomorrow, you know? Mm -hmm. And so there's this sense of like, the ancestors will come when you call. And I call every day because I'm like, please help me um, illuminate my consciousness because I'm pretty sure I don't understand how this works the right way because I'm in this culture, right? I've been conditioned. Yeah. So every day I'm like, please help me understand this better because I'm not sure I get it. And, you know, when you call you, then you also have to answer. So when, <laughs> and I'll get these people, right. I'll get, I'll get brought people who the ancestors are like, this person needs help. You need to help this person now. And I'll have a little bit of a whiny moment, you know, if like the person doesn't have any money to pay for service or help me out, or my family's not getting paid or whatever. I'll have that little Western moment and I'll go, Okay. This is for the good. This is this is because this is reciprocity. The ancestors call me, they ask me to help. I help. That's my job. But we have a really icky system right now. And we're in the middle of an icky system. We're in the middle of a capitalistic system. We're in the middle of a system where you've got to pay for your house and you have to pay for your food and you have to pay for the land and you have to pay taxes and you have to have a car. And my son is 23 and he's trying to trying to figure out how to even get started in this system. Mm -hmm. And it's broken. And most of us know it's broken. Well, I don't know, those of us who are woke, anybody who watches this show knows that the system is broken. So how do we return to a sacred understanding of reciprocity when we have a system that is so oppressive that you cannot literally have a place to, to live or food to eat if you're not engaging the system? Yeah, great question. Well, first of all, recognize that the system is not broken at all. It's sophisticated. It's in place and hardwired to self-perpetuate. That's a biggie <laughs> to recognize, oh, the system wants to keep me obedient. The system wants me to keep me exhausted. system wants to keep me in total poverty and hectic behavior so I never question that I'm literally an automaton. I'm a slave to this so that I don't wake up and I don't actually start to ask difficult questions. The questions that really matter is, hmm, is this necessary? 
Is this harmful? Those are big questions to ask. So the fact that you're asking questions, how do I do this differently, is a big thing. And uh, we are at the beginning stages of the rise of the sacred feminine, of the changing of it, which means we're not going to see as much change as we personally would like, but we're going to see a lot. Like it just in the last 20 years, we've seen major change and in consciousness and, and the system will shift when consciousness changes. We are the the ones planting seeds for a new consciousness. So it's struggling for us, our dislike of it, our, oh, hell no, <laughs> I don't want this. No way, no way, no, 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 no. See, reciprocity is a joyful experience where instead in the system, it's like, I have to be reciprocal because, you know, uh, and so I have to give something that I don't have. And, and the truth is, is that we are abundant beings. We are eternal beings. And until we remember that, we give back from a sense of obligation, you know, and a sense of lack. But that's the system, you know, we're still programmed. But when you dance out of that program, when you dance above and dance away, and you start to see what freedom and abundance really looks like, your service comes and it is flows back to you in ways that you can't even imagine. You recognize that abundance is not contained by the system. It doesn't exist within, you know, the system can't imagine the abundance of the natural laws of life. Is that when you dance out of it and you dance with the universe, you recognize, oh boy, there's no limit to what I can give and what I can receive. But receiving, that's the feminine part, isn't it? In order to receive, it's like giving is that masculine way, but is that the programmed masculine way or the natural law masculine way of giving, doing? And when we do that in, in the true reciprocity, it just takes it to a whole new level. We become the magnetic force that flows like the tides. There's no end to it. Yeah. And when we link arms, we do it even better, right? Like, so mm. a lot of the, I, I experience this with podcasting. So I have a lot of uh, connections that people that are using their voice, you know, to share their messages with podcasts and my abundance is extreme on podcasts. Right. So like, it's wonderful right? because I'm yeah. always meeting new friends and I'm always having beautiful conversations and we're putting good messages out there in the world. And we're like opening up conversations people hadn't thought about before. And so we are making change. Like to your point, I have the shadow of impatience in my core wound and my gene keys. And so I am so impatient for that to get <laughs> Like, come on. And, but you know, it is working. So like even the conversation we're having now, as this gets out in the collective, whoever listens to it is starting to make decisions now in a different way. It's starting to think about life now in a slightly different way. And then that person is going to be radiating that vibe out there in their circles and with their friends and family. And even if they never said anything, that idea is emanating from them. So somebody might just have it pop in their head, you know, so out of nowhere, seemingly. But we're all connected as part of this cosmic earth soup. And this is the thing I, I, I really most wish I could impress upon people is how we're all connected. And when we're not paying attention to that is when we actually feel bad. And I think this is why Western people, especially in the United States, are so sick. Is they're mentally sick, emotionally sick, physically sick because of all the taking 
and not enough returning, not enough mm-hmm. reciprocity, not, a, a, you know, they're not being guided by the natural rhythm of earth to breathe in and exhale, <laughs> to breathe in yeah. and exhale. That's not happening. So they're just like holding breath. Mm. Trying to keep what I have and not share with anybody. <laughs> like yeah. That yeah. is making people sick, right? And it's like, how do we even, and at the same time, I want to express, you know, sincere compassion for people that are, happen to be white presenting in this lifetime, because there's a whole lot of hatred for white presenting people in this lifetime. So it is a hard position to hold, you know, to be in a body this lifetime and, and to realize that you're, you're part of some conditioning that you don't see, but other people see it and you don't see it. And you're somehow being blamed and judged for it, but you don't understand it yet. And that's an awkward icky spot to be too. So what do you say? How do you, I mean, because you're also Métis, but you're also, like you said, not as Brown or not as indigenous looking. And so you, you can kind of move about the world in a different way. Mm -hmm. How do you open up potentials for people on both sides of the spectrum or all sides? Well, I love how you said, you know, this life people are, you know, there's a lot of hatred towards, but you know what, in a way it's only been recently this awakening to racial injustice and racial inequality is quite new to many, uh, many white presenting people. And that's what's so surprising. So if they look at the first half of their lives, it's been pretty, pretty easy. It's been pretty good. No, not easy as in, you know, life is triggers us in all our own ways for our own soul. So I'm not saying that life is easy, but it's been easier than it is now. So the fact that you were unaffected for so long should be a gift that you can go, hmm, I was unaffected by racial hate for how many years of my life, and I've been feeling it for now, how many years of my life, or how many, you know, and to recognize that people of color never had a time where they weren't affected by racial hatred. So they never got exempt from that experience. So to recognize, oh, if I hate it, if I don't like how it feels, oh, imagine all the people who've been experiencing daily you know, so that, you know, just to recognize and expand our awareness a little to have some compassion. So just to recognize your own journey for those who are white presenting. That's the thing. Like for me, I can walk down the street and not be spit spat at, you know, and not have racial slurs flung my way. Whereas I'm walking with cousins or walking with boyfriends or, you know, they can't, you know, and, and I've been witness to it. All my life, somebody who starts saying what they really think and they really believe, thinking they're talking to a a white person. And so I know that it's that racial pain, racial discomfort, beliefs are all there bubbling under the surface. So I would say just it's time to pull our big girl panties up. It's time to just say, okay, this is my turn. This is my turn. And it hurts and I hate it and I hate it. But everyone hates it. Everyone hates it who is at the recipient of racial hatred and judgment. We can't stand it. It's unfair and it, nobody feels like they deserve it. So why has it been acceptable for so many generations that one particular person are worthy of that and others aren't? And it's time that we all stop it, all of it. But it's going to take some messy figuring out. And and the blindness, that incredibly, oh, and it's so, I have so much compassion because 
you know, if you've never known you were part of the problem, if your the color of your skin has never, you never saw it as a problem, it's going to be a, a, an awakening process that is, you know, shakes you up. But why not shake it all up? Let's all shake everything up because it has to. We all have to shake up what we've been taught and programmed to believe in order to for it to land in a much more equitable, joyful way of being. And it's going to be messy. It's the time. So it's like everybody's throat chakra is opening up. <laughs> Everybody is screaming their beliefs and, and, you know, finally having the courage. And, you know, that comes with, you know, that's not easy. It's like I, I say the feminists of the 60s is that they came in with a raging force and in many ways everyone has this idea that they're this scary man-hating group of beings instead of just trying to find equality but that the first time speaking up and i'm not saying that was the first but it became a global movement for sure in the 60s and 70s so i would say that the time that we're in right now it's going to be fueled by fire because it, it it takes courage to speak up if you've never spoken before. So it's a lot of splat, you know, a lot of anger, a lot of saying what you feel for the first time. And it's going to be messy for a while. So if we can have compassion for whatever comes out, and as you said, not take it too personally, but do your work. Do your work with your own belief systems. Do your work with your ancestors. Do your work with um, your own biases then you will know you won't take it so personally because you have been doing the work. You're like, okay, guess it's my turn. <laughs> I've been through it. You've been through it. And it's okay. You will arrive on the other side. But you've got to allow everyone to be doing their work. And it may be messier than than we want, but that's okay. Yeah. And in a way, it opens the door for you to experience more compassion, you know, because you have experienced it and then you have more compassion for people that have gone through that. The only way we can have compassion for anybody is if we've experienced something similar, it's really hard to have compassion for something when you haven't experienced it. So absolutely, you know, so we're experiencing it and yeah, it sucks. And yeah, eventually we're, we're, we're moving ourselves towards unity, but unity happens through conflict. It happens through going through the conflict, fully immersing your perspective, others' perspectives, and then a true diplomacy ensues. It's not like the the sort of like, I want to bypass all that and just get right into unity, which I see <laughs> yeah. a lot of people doing. Like, I don't want to hear about how you've been feeling about all this white supremacy. Let's just, we're unified. Let's just go to unity. And it's like, no, yeah, no. that's not, no, because you're not witnessing the effects. And so you have to we all have to know that everybody, that's why I advocate for all this stuff. And so if you're like, why does Carrie Hammer always talk about this stuff? Oh, I wish he would shut up. Well, I'm not going to shut up. I'm sorry. This is what we need to talk about right now. This is important. And especially for, you know, anybody following me and you're really into indigenous wisdom, that takes a healthy dose of appreciating indigenous people, you know, and they'll hear me talk about that too, because I, my heart breaks with what the Carol people went through to f- protect their people through all this colonization. They still have a Spanish inquisition, Center set the last one is in Peru. It's like, hmm. are you serious? You're still trying. What is up? Give it a rest. <sighs> so, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, we all need a deep breath. Like, basically, <laughs> I think that's why Mother Earth put us on a timeout. <laughs> and, um, COVID. Oh, yeah, she did. Yeah. So gift. tell us, I mean, you've just shared so much beautiful wisdom with us today, Andrea. I appreciate you taking this um, time to have this conversation with me because these are conversations I love to have. And these are questions I always have. And because you're a Métis, I was like, I'm going to ask her these questions. I didn't even mm-hmm. tell her, you guys, I was going to take her down this road, but she's so accommodating. So thank you so much for doing that. And 
Tell me more about your Seeds from the Sacred Feminine Wisdom Cards. Tell us more about that, that project. Mm, thanks for asking. Yeah, those, my little babies, and if you're watching on the video, you can see that they're, this is a pre, pre-sale, pre, my author copy, so it's like very exciting. The Seeds from the Sacred Feminine Wisdom Cards are my, are coming out of the Métis community. So the the artist is is the beautiful painter, Leah Dorian. She's my Métis sister. We come, um, we went to school together. And it's land-based teachings on how to walk gently with yourself and on the planet. They're very, very simple teachings, but they are created in a way that you can take it on the very simple level. Very, very simple teachings, you know, like drink some, drink water. <laughs> you can, you can um, go for a walk. All those are very, very generic, simple, but you can also take them very, you can take it much, 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 much deeper. They will land in places where, depending on where you are at. And so these cards came out of a need to share with people, not just Indigenous teachings, but the Indigenous way of looking at the world, because I'm not taking my elders' teachings and putting them in this deck of cards for me to, you know, that is not my uh, place to do so. These are teachings from the sacred feminine, which means they apply to all human beings. We are all we are all sacred feminine and sacred masculine beings, no matter all across the spectrum. And we've got teachers of, you know, blending that spectrum a lot these days, which are helping us learn more about it. So for me, I wanted everyone to be able to own this because not everyone is an indigenous person and not everyone has access to those deep teachings. And they're there if you are open to receiving them, but they're very generic teachings. And I want people to fall in love with that that beautiful interconnected way of looking at the world, land-based, land-first, the four sacred elements, the four sacred directions, the four sacred bodies, all of those things are are, are wrapped within the, the teachings. Um, and they come through with grandmotherly teachings. One of my, my Cree name that I mentioned earlier is Notagoyutin, which means grandmother wind. And I connect with the grandmothers on the other side. So their wisdom come with a grandmotherly voice. And the grandmothers are very, very nurturing and loving. And so many people who are feeling like attacked or scared, you know, will find that there's love within this deck of cards. There's love and there's safety and there's no errors you can have, make when you do the readings or a daily wisdom card in this deck of cards. So they are published with Mango Publishing, and June 20th is the day of 2023, depending on when you're listening to this, when they're released to the world. So yay! <laughs> and all across there's links, and if people want to find them, they're on my, you can find all the links no matter where you are. Well, unless you're someplace that I don't know the links, but in the US and Canada and some European is andreamenard.com forward slash cards. And then all the links, you can find it there and you can find more information about them. So thanks for asking. Oh, that's beautiful. And I just want to say that it really fills the message I was given that now is a time for people who remember to share what they know to support those who forgot. Hmm. And I feel like you're doing that. And so I wanted to say thank you for doing your shadow work and your personal work to overcome the obstacles inside of you so that you could share 
some things that you know to support people who forgot. Mm. And it's hard when we, you know, Martin Luther King talked about loving our enemies. What would it take to love our enemies? And he's one of my idols. I look up to him. And that's a conversation I feel like we're in, you know, now. What would it take to love our enemies and bring them home as family? And to remember we are one human family. What does it take for this family to come together again after so much division and so many difficult experiences? So thank you for doing your part to share some beautiful teachings from the Métis people and from your own heart, the sacred feminine, and appreciate everything that you do on the planet um, and just being you. Thank you for sharing today. Marcy Miigwech Kinanaskumten for a beautiful talk, Carrie. Thank you for your work too. Thank you. Okay, everyone. So like, subscribe, share, um, comment. What did you think about this episode? What touched you? What opened your heart? I want to hear it. I know Andrea does too. So please share with us what you thought, what you felt. Give us a rating and uh, share that with somebody that you think might really enjoy this episode. And I'm going to give kisses now. If you want to join me, Andrea, I always give kisses at the end to everybody. I love you guys. And we'll see you next time on Soul Nectar Show. Bye for now. If you found even one gold nugget in this episode of Soul Nectar Show, will you do us a favor? Will you subscribe, like, and share this episode? Maybe even write a comment and let us know what you thought about it. We really, really want to engage with you at a much deeper level. Let's be part of community together. Have a great week, everyone. Bye for now. To dive in deeper to nourishing conversation, visit soulnectar.show. Soul